What up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode from my mom's garage home theater edition, where we take a movie or TV show and give it back to you full of spoilers, thoughts, concerns, questions, feelings, and a rating at the end. As always, this is your host, Tony, with my boy, Nikki. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I just like being awkward. Yeah, you do. It's fun. Yes, yes. It makes me laugh. Yes. So we just, <laughs> uh, yes, as you had been catching up with us, we just finished our recent Black Mirror Season 6 series. And we're going to kick it off with a new movie that just came out, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. The turtles are back, baby. So uh, this one revolves around years after being sheltered from the human world, the brothers are set out to win the hearts of New York and this neighborhood and and be accepted by the human world and uh and along the way they get the help by april o'neill to try to do that but they fall into uh getting involved with this crime syndicate of other mutants and they get in over their heads in the process i have to say i'm gonna start it off i fucking love this movie it was everything i wanted in a teenage mutant ninja turtle movie it's the first time i actually believed that the turtles were teenagers, teenagers yes, yes. like they're, they're not like, middle-aged men calling themselves teens but that's what I said. Like you think about it, even in uh, cartoons, they seem kind of adult-ish to be car- teenagers, right? You know, like yeah. whatever. And then in the movie, you know, it's like they were like they felt like they were just early twenties, if anything you want to say that. But they didn't feel like teenager teenagers. Like in this one, they felt like teenagers. Yeah, you know what it is, and I think Seth Rogen, uh, he was a producer and I think director of this. Mm-hmm. What what he did was what I liked is that, and like I think you touched on it. The writers of the other movies wrote like there were men in the middle ages middle-aged men writing thinking how what a teenager talks lingo mannerisms everything and they were like oh this is how they do it this is how they talk right now let's put it out that way and here the, and i found out later after the movie was that he let them riff yeah so a lot of the parts that they were just bouncing off each other's uh like comments and 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 moments there was just them riffing in the studio all together so i remember that interview and i think we talked about it which was uh he said that he has done voiceovers for a minute now he's been doing cartoon voiceovers yeah but he says he never meets his co-workers his co-actors until the premiere because they just you go in by yourself you record your lines and you leave but he didn't want to do that he wanted people to play off each other and like you said rift so he made sure that they recorded together in the same just room. Just the kids, yeah. Yeah, and they just went off each other. They just one would say a joke, and then they keep keep on going. They keep it. This, keep they it kept it lively, exactly. But they and also he he didn't hire like you said he didn't hire middle aged men to sound like teenagers. He actually he got teenagers. Uh, yeah, teenagers to play teenagers. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it worked. I mean, and that's another thing about the movie is like it felt like the coming of age uh, type of situation. Aspect of it, yeah. Yeah, because they're. Dude, they're, they want to be part of the world. They have their own reasons to be part of the world. And, you know, each one of them is different. And they, you know, they, they like, how about this? They're going out there they're discovering what the world is really like or what, how people actually respond to them and all these different things because they don't know anything about it. And I love the, about, like, how, you know, they're learning about it, how they're coming to, to terms with it. And I, I, the whole movie was just funny. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. The, the fight scenes were hilarious. The little nods to the original were, were awesome. Oh, the little Easter eggs throughout the whole movie of, of the original? Yeah. My favorite, favorite part was the casting of the voices. Oh. Like, let's not, let's. man, every time I just felt like, man, this is perfect. They just went a little bit step further. And then, like, I, so this is, I remember, like, what was it? Uh, you, you introduced Shredder. Like, and is that, is that Jackie Chan? Splinter. Now, 
And that's what I'm saying. It was perfect. You said Shredder. So I'm so sorry, Shredder. It's Splinter. Splinter. But it was like that's perfect. I'm that's, like, wait, that's, that's, that's that's exactly who I would have loved to play. You yeah, know, to, to to be the elderly <laughs> father figure that the, the martial arts uh, instructor, yeah, or whatever, that, the elderly that figure, has that like, knowledge of like an old sensei. Exactly. And what I loved is that they didn't make him like this. You know, like un uh, like this like this uh, uh, unstoppable force. They made him the way Jackie Chan fights, which is kind of like that. Kind of like stumbling, but still he, winning he, type of type of so fighting. I'm a huge Jackie fan, Jackie Chan fan, mm-hmm. and his fighting style was. And you've always said it is like when when you were looking at fighting, uh, like at that time, like 80s, 70s fighting martial arts movies, the hero was very uh, a stoic, unstoppable, stoic. That yeah. like he'll hit and he'll be like powerful, bah! and like every hit is powerful and meaning behind. It's like no, he's like I want to play like if it's a regular person fighting, like I'm gonna get hit. It's going to hurt. I'm going to fumble. I'm going to have to just adapt to changes constantly, move around and use my surroundings and um, every any type of items around me to my advantage. Yeah. Like there was a, uh, when he played in, I think, Rumble in the Bronx, mm. there was a scene that he was fighting somebody and he had a ladder. He saw the ladder. He ran to and he used the ladder as a weapon. Like, and it was like a 10 foot ladder. Mm. So I'm like, I would do that. Like if, if, but he used it in a skillful way. But I'm like, if anybody's in a street fight, you're going to use, and you you know you're in a disadvantage, meaning if the person's more skilled than you or there's more people, that you're going to use any items around you to your advantage to even the odds. And that's what he did. And I like the fact that when they were doing the fighting montages, there was they, he was using Bruce Lee movies and VHS tapes of martial arts. But some of them, if you snuck in and you see there was clips of his own movies <laughs> snuck in there. I, re- I was like, oh, my God, I remember that movie that he was in. I remember that movie. Like Drunken Master, uh, Eagle, Eagle, I think it was Eagle Snake, uh, Eagle Fang. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. I'm no, like, but that's, that's what I'm saying. They adapted his fighting style to the character, which I loved because he played, yeah, he played an old, he played an old version of Splinter. It was just like, you know, I'm old, man. I'm crickety. I'm like, you know, but he still kicks ass in his own way. And I loved it. Yeah. But like, we can even go deep into mm-hmm. the cast. So we, we already established Jackie Chan and Splinter. We already yeah. have, we, we know the kids from the kids. I think there was one of them and I've seen them in the one that played uh, Brad uh, Brady Noon. Uh, he was Raphael and he was in um, Good Kids. Oh, okay. He was the, the main kid in Good Kids. I, Raphael was the main kid in Good Kids? Yeah, the the... The one that he... No, I remember the main kid, like the one that... The yeah. awkward one, yeah. Yeah, he was the main one. So he was Raphael? Kids. Yeah. Which I loved no, Raphael. No, he one. was the other one. The one that, that I think wanted to be do music. But I remember he was in Good Kids. No, no, I remember who he was, yeah. Yeah, so then you have them. But then you get into the, the more established actors. You have Seth Rogen as Bebop. Um, you have <laughs> John Cena as Rocksteady. <laughs> you have uh, John Carlos Esposito as um, uh, Baxter Stockman. You have fucking Ice Cube as Superfly. Which that was, was perfect. When I saw that, I'm like, what? When I saw him as casted, I was like, oh, okay. I, 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 I wouldn't see him as mm. doing animated or. Yeah. I've, I don't know if he's ever done it, that mm-hmm. he was that he's done it before. But if, if, he, if he hasn't, this is his first time yeah. doing animated voiceover act. I'm like, give me more of that <laughs> that he does because. He no the bad they played the, that up so well the, the badass uh, superfly character yes like, basically taking on everybody all comers 
that was awesome. It was perfect for for that character, the Ice Cube, to play that character. It was perfect. Yeah, you had uh, Post Malone as uh, Ray Follett. Which was Ray Follett? The the the, the uh, starfish. No, the starfish of the mosquito. The, the stingray. Stingray. The, the, the one that has the, the. It looks like a fish, a shark. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, they had him. They had um, Rose Byron as Leatherhead, which was a crocodile. Okay. Which I liked because she was with him, and she has another show with Seth Rogen called Platonic. Okay, and that was his, that was his uh, other movie they worked with in Neighbors. Yes, yes. So yes. I like that he he's getting his friends. But that's the, honestly think about it. Those are the best comedies where it's not just you know it's not just a random assortment of actors that you put them in a movie. It's always a group. It's always a it's always a group that works well. Think about it. Um, remember uh, 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 Super Troopers? Yeah, that was uh, I forgot the. Um, Something lizard, a dead lizard or something dead like that. Dead lizard, yeah. Yeah, but that, that was, it was a comedy group. It was groups that work and play well together. I mean, Adam Sandler's a perfect example example of with it. With all Every, his friends. He always brings the same cast, but they always vibe and they always make funny content. And I think that's I always worked with, with comedians and comedies yeah. and movies like this that are just fun to watch. Uh, Hannibal Barris as Genghis Frog. Okay. Um, Maya Rudolph was uh, Cynthia uh, Utrum. Which was that one? Uh, she was the the head of the organization of. Oh, uh, really? That was Maya Rudolph. Yeah, Maya Rudolph. Um, I the one that surprised me that I was was it it surprised me and it what did not surprise me was the chill lizard, Mondo Gecko. Yes, Paul Rudd. That's what That's, that was the second one out of all of them. Out of all the villains, that was the second. He goes, "Hey, buddy, what we're we doing? You're so cool." <laughs> Yo, he fucking, I fucking love Paul Rudd. Anything he does, I watch. Uh, but th- th- like, I love that he's just that. Ch- like, it gave me, um, I love you, man. Vibes when he was chilling with um, Marshall from, I forget his name sometimes. From why uh, wasn't that Siegel in that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason Siegel. Siegel. Yeah, that's what that's what we're missing in this movie. I think if you you would have had him as like somebody else, just a. I hope they bring him on as uh, if they ever go to, to that level. I have to bring him on. Can okay, you imagine him as a uh, uh, Krang? Uh, Kang? Krang? Krang, yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No, but it was it was awesome. The it movie was, was the movie is awesome. The the, the nods. Casting was, all right. So yeah, mm-hmm. so we went into the casting. And and this is something I've I, I could talk forever. The animation was great. Yeah. I know they gave it it was cell shaded and people said that it was um, almost like almost like how they do into the Spider Verse. Yeah, but here's the thing: a lot, a lot of it is that uh, when Seth Rogen was doing the animations, the, he they were saying the team was saying that they wanted to make it feel like there was teenagers drawing it. So it was like some like when they were doing the explosion, you just see squiggly lines <laughs> everywhere. It was like oh, it's like a kid would draw it. It's like it's not complete. It's not so f- refined. It's, it's like they color outside the spaces a little bit. Everything wasn't so clean, and like that's something that you would feel like a kid would draw. On top of that, the and nods to the the Easter egg is that when they were doing their, it was funny because like if they were when they were doing the imaginations of when they were going back to school, mm. the it was a nod to the original because it looked like the original cast, the original from the comic books, like the art style how they mm. drew it, it made it look like the original from the original comics a little bit. The colors was from the cartoons, but the drawing style, or the how they looked, how their egg shaped heads were differently. Yeah. Was yeah, because from they because the, uh, the comic books originally started without them having their masks, right? I'm guessing. 
No, they had their mask. Oh, really? But yeah. But it was. It, it did not take the story where I thought it would. Obviously, a little bit. It's a. It's very different. It's almost its own universe to it. A, uh, a lot. They 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 changed a few things up. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, well, they work with Bebop and Rhapsody in this one. Yeah, but not only that was. Um, Baxter Stockton was supposed to become Superfly. Okay. In in the comic books, he becomes the the Fly. Yeah. And that that's a nod to the movie of the of the Fly with um, uh, the movie. Uh, um, go um. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Yes. So that was a nod to that. Mm-hmm. So they did that. Um, when they originally made the the uh, Superfly. But um, a lot, and I like the fact that um. Another twist to that was a lot of the cartoons that came up was like, and even the uh, the movie a little bit was that it mutated to a human being turning into that, into the monster. Like Rock City and Bebop. This one, they used that all the animals were mutated into their enormous forms or whatever. Yeah. Not human forms, but they... They they, pers- they were animals that, that, that gained personalities. Gained personality Evolved. Yes. Instantly evolved. So those are little slight changes. Uh, one thing, and I'll, and I'll say it now before we get back into the movie, was a lot of people were talking about how April O'Neil played by uh, Ayo, Ayo Ibari, which was from The Bear. She's a sous chef. Oh, oh okay. I know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. She was in it, and people were like, oh, they, they changed April O'Neil uh, for colorism or, or race swapping. In reality, they never did. Actually, this is the original. The original, she was in the original comic. He, the creator, was based basing April O'Neil off his wife, and she was a light a light skinned black woman. Yeah, and I think they changed it because of the printing style. They they kept it white because it's easier to print. Mm-hmm. And two, I think is like people during that time wouldn't relate to not only turtles or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but mm-hmm. they needed something like a white face to yeah, attach to. But originally, the creator wanted it to be. I think that another reason, like they, because they, because the thing is, they always traditionally always made her more, I guess, alluring. Which honestly, I'm happy they went with the. Because honestly, when I was watching the movie, I was like, this is exactly who. Think about it, a teenage kid. You know, they get along. This is different. Like, like to to make to try to make her more alluring. That just be creepy. No, yeah, that's one thing. Plus, I love the fact that not only that she was a teen, but also that she was in like. Like she April O'Neil perfect, was yeah. like in the in the movies or even in, in the last movies in the com in the cartoon was like she was a very d- person in like in a demanding role in her position. Yeah, like she was the lead reporter here. She was awkward. She was an outcast. She was she had trouble being in front of the camera. She threw up. Bomb I love like this anxiousness, <laughs> and I love that because one is very relatable to people that are not used to the camera, and two, you you giving levels of characters being that like everybody's not not everybody's meant to be in front of the camera or they're comfortable on camera and they have to overcome that obstacle and that's something that even to the end of it she was like she was there but you know even there was a moment that she got on screen she did everything she did she's like i made it through and she just threw up (laughs) it was like this movie was no but that's the thing they made it it's appeal it was awesome it was perfect i loved I, i enjoyed it so much and you know what's funny is like so we always joke with the idea that when certain movies, they go off script, right? They start yeah. making it into their own thing. And it's like, oh, but, you know, you have a perfect setup, right? Right, you know, right off the bat. Why would you change it? 
if you're going to change it, change it good. Change it to a point where it's more relatable, where it's more interesting, where it's funnier. But the changes they always make is something that's more commercially friendly. So I'm happy they went with this direction because it was, dude, I loved it. I, I you know, I was with, uh, so I was with Mikey and. Our cousin Mikey. Our just cousin Mikey, it, yes. For people that don't know. Yes. And he just started yelling and cheering throughout the whole movie. And it was, it was, it was understandable because it was an awesome movie. It was a great setup. They had, oh my God, when they had the, uh, the, 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 the van. Yes. Dude, I was like, what? <laughs> they brought on the van. Like they brought the, the turtle van or the Ninja Turtle van. It was awesome. Like I loved all of it. Like the only thing I felt like they were just holding like at a distance and they might hopefully introduce it later. Because they, they, they kept on referencing and they kept on like leaving it, kind of teasing you with it. Uh, Michelangelo picking up the skateboard. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, you bastards!" Like I was like, "You know he's gonna, you know he's gonna use, it. you know he's gonna love it." But no, he didn't do it. He didn't touch. He didn't touch it in the movie. Yeah, he didn't. I, and I like that. And, I, and and what's best, what's funny about that is that in the posters, they this use they, yeah. they use the skateboard like a beating up <laughs> skateboard. But he, I don't think he ever used one throughout the. movie. No, it was it. There was it, the skateboard existed in the movie, but he didn't use it. No, it was the geckos. Yeah. Which no, I'm, no, he didn't use it. I'm saying no, no, he didn't, he didn't use it. He didn't pick it up. He whatever. It was always the gecko. Mondo but, gecko. Yeah, but it was always cool because you can tell Michelangelo. That's who he vibed the most with. That's yeah. who he. That's his homie. Yo. Yeah, that's his, <laughs> he's like it's just great. <laughs> no, I love that that they all got along with everybody so quickly. Like, yeah, and 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 that's the thing. And and what I loved about what I enjoyed, or appreciated about that is that both, um. <clears throat> Splinter and Superfly had the same concept or the same outlook. Outlook as into the human world doesn't accept me. Mm-hmm. One took an approach of um, staying in the shadows, like yep. avoidance, mm-hmm. rather not be involved because I don't want to be known, don't want to be attacked. The other one's like I want to empower, not empower, but I want to take over yeah. and destroy them because. They won't accept me. They won't accept me. So yeah. they have to accept me or have, I'm going to destroy them in the process. Yeah. So I like that they, they they took the idea, the same idea that they have both mutual feelings on a certain topic, but you're both on the opposite of outcomes. You're approaching that, it differently. Yeah. yeah, approaching it from a different perspective. And I like that. Be, it's and, very uh, Magneto and Xavier approach. Yeah. yeah. So... And also, I, I enjoy, and and that's one thing I enjoy that they all and people thought I was like, oh, they're gonna fight their villains. I'm like, they're not villains; they're just people that were on. Un- and this is talking about uh, Superfly and his crew. Yeah, that these are mutants that want to be accepted, and they tried, they failed, and they have animosity to it. But they were feeding off Superfly's hatred of it. I think one of them vocalized it like very clearly, where it's like, I didn't know we had another option. Like, yeah, like when they presented like. They just like looked at each other like, wait, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know that was the thing we could do. Yeah, so that's what it was. It was they they un, they were understanding of they they come to the realization that one they have other options. Two, they didn't really have the true sentiment of it. They just felt went along because he was the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. Once they found out, like, hey, you're taking it way too far, and there's a there's an ability. There's a we're at a position or at a crossroads that we could. Not only do better, but maybe just live our lives happy, not having to be with them. And they all band together. And I like that. And he was a fucking badass. Superfly of that fight oh, yeah. team that they were just all fighting them together. Every one of them could not take him on. Yeah. 
That was awesome. You know what I do? I, I find interesting. So every one of those characters technically are villains, right? Yeah. To the story. So I like that they took basically all their their second tier, technically, right? Second tier villains. Mm-hmm. And they just, they all fought them in the first movie. And now they're all friends. So they're part of the, the, the series. Because ultimately, what was going to happen if anybody else made it? The first thing they were going to do, straight up first day, Shredder. Second day, you know, Krang. You know, they were going to go with the, the top dog villains day one, day two. And then these other characters were never going to get the light of day. Or maybe they, they start being fillers in a movie where they're fighting Shredder. A movie yeah, like, fighting- oh, we have Shredder. Now we have uh, Rocksteady and Bebop. Yeah, like they're just, fill- they're just they're filling space. And now, now it's too much going on. But I like how they just introduced all of them at once. But they all became friends. So now they're going to be part of the series. With, so they're not ignored later on, right? Because it would yeah. have to be like movie 10 before you really start m- making those movies with but them. You, in you know they're making two TV, episodes, two TV series and one more movie. Based on this one? Off of this one. So the, next mo- so the next TV series he's putting out is going to be what happens in the gap between now and the next movie. Really? Yeah. So he's going to fill in a whole TV episode, like almost like Marvel does. Yeah. To fill in what happens in between that one and the next movie. I think I think he said they're signed up for two seasons. I know it's one, mm-hmm. but I think it might be two seasons that they're doing before they go to the next movie. But you know what I can see what is cool is that they established this relationship between all of them, right? And that, and that the destruction should be in the TV show. And what happened? The destruction, the dismantling of the friendships. What? Yeah, like kind of like basically now it's like, let's say Rocksteady Bebop decide, you know, listen, we got to do this. So they, they, they partner up with Shredder. Yeah. So now they're fighting a friend. They, like they're fighting these friends, whatever. So that's what I'm saying. I like that. Like it's, it's more impactful if you yeah. start bringing them onto it. But what more I cannot. More complexities to the story. Exactly. So, but I cannot wait for though is definitely going to be, and I, ho- I want to see how they do it. Because if they just do it very, very messed up, very sloppily, I'm gonna be upset. Is uh, um, you know who I'm talking about? Um, I don't. Their ally. Oh, Jesse. Yes. Is it Jesse? Right. The what's his name in the in the comics? Uh, and the the one with the hockey mask. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing the blank because I was thinking about all the other characters in it. Well, who's Jesse then? <laughs> who's Jesse? Who's Jesse? I'm looking it up. Risley Street. Who's Jesse? Well, like I. I feel like I have his name. Um, uh, to, uh, Jesse Ventura. No, no, Jesse no, Ventura. Really Jesse Ventura. What are you talking about? Like, Casey no. Jones. Casey Jones. Why, Jesse? Why couldn't I have think? Uh, I don't even know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Casey Jones. Casey Jones. Thank you. Oh, my God. It was like. And you know what? It could be dope. If, now that they're in high school, it could be the all-American all athlete that's there. You know what would be just, cool? You know what would be cool be, if they make, join them. Well, you know, it'd be cool if he becomes not necessarily a villain, but competition to to Raphael to Raphael exactly because they become really good friends, but they, they because of the, this animosity that they both have and they're yeah, both like, like angry because yeah, exactly. But it would be funny if, like you said, like you saw him in wrestling in the end of the oh, movie. Oh, better yet, so Raphael's like a, in sports, but he's in a, he's in an opposite school. There's a rival, a rival school mm-hmm. that always combats against Raphael. And then he's the one that's like a vigilante at night because of whatever backstory they want to add to it. And that's introduced Casey Jones. I, say, <laughs> I don't know why he was saying Jesse. I don't know. I really confused. I'm like, who else Jesse like? You're like, who the fuck is Jesse? Casey Jesse's Jones. Girl. <laughs> so we can't wait to see that. Oh, man. But yeah, it's, it's, it, the storyline was amazing. Art, art style was amazing. There's not, much, there's not much I could fall back on to give it like anything bad. 
And I think you, you hit it on the nail. It's like we, oh, we keep getting repeated re, like re, reboots of movies. And a lot of it has to linger on what the predecessor was. And they use that as a catapult to propel whatever story they want to do. Some do it right. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, that they, they, which had Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Um, that they just use a little bit of the backstory as as a catalyst to create his own. You have it horribly wrong, like some other movies. Like the only one on top of my head that I could think that it was nothing like it was like uh, Total Recall. It was like it was a movie on its own, but I don't think it it, it, it used used the name. But was so it- this is my this is my thing when it comes to that is there's a huge difference between. Making a movie, like, okay, like, if I was to, let's say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I Googled it, I guarantee you, like, that's exactly how people were making movies before. If I, if I Google Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what's the first things I'm going to get? I'm going to get Shredder. I'm going to get, like, Kaibo, you know, uh, um, Rocksteady Bebop. Rocksteady Bebop. Crane. Not even, not even Rocksteady Bebop. It would probably be, like, second, third there. It would be, it would be Casey Jones. It would be Krang. It would be all these different characters because, or these very basic stories, pizza, whatever. Because that's what Google will tell me to do. Because that's 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 the most hit. That's the most hit or whatever, right? Yeah. The, the most hits you get. But then, if I was to ask a true fan, somebody who has loved all that stuff, and just ask them what the spirit of the movie, the spirit of the series is, it would go into a different direction. It would go into the more nuanced part of it. And that's why I think there's a huge difference between people that, let's say, oh, well, we're gonna make a movie based on this, and we're gonna appeal to the fan by hitting with hard with the main character, the main things, the main specific structures but completely missing the spirit of it yeah but that's what i mean that's what it feels like when we get these kind of movies where it's like they're not really trying to like give me the spirit of what i love the first one they're just giving me the titles they just giving me the the the, the main hits it's yeah. almost like if i asked you wu-tang and yeah i love the main hits but then you're not really capturing the the spirit of wu-tang you're just giving me all the top all their top hits and that's yeah. it and I, and I, and I th- that's what I'm saying. I, it's not that we don't love those things. It's just no. that it's we want we want the we want to feel like we did when we enjoyed those things. And I and I view it as we need more creators or directors, writers like Seth Rogen, somebody that's at the age that they grew up when it came out, when it when the popularity hit, so they know what it felt to see. The 1992 version. They know what it felt to play the video game on the Game Boy, on the Nintendo, uh, when they first had the animated series, when they came out with the reboot again, even though it was later. But you you get the essence of what it made you feel to watch it for the first time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the toys, mm-hmm. the comics. And I think that's what it is. If you, if, if you don't have somebody that's emotionally invested on how it made them feel and using that, as a catapult to to propel a different view of the story to be like, yes, we could alter a little bit, but let's keep the same feel. Like if I did it, if I watched it the first time, but not only for somebody my age, but we also need to be enough to introduce it to a whole new age Democrat uh, uh, demographic to so get that. I think what it is, what we need, what we honestly need when it <laughs> comes to these kind of movies is we need a selfish fan. Yes. Because, it's not that I want them, because if I just said, oh, I want a fan to make it, no. I don't want it just as fans make it, because the fan's probably going to be like, okay, what do other fans want? I don't want that. I want somebody who is a true fan, 
and selfish. I want them to make a movie for them damn selves. The reason I say that is because you got hit and misses, yes. But at least you're going to somebody who is trying to pick up the spirit of what that, that um, whatever that market is, that art, that, that uh, title meant to them growing up. Yeah. And like I said, it, in those instances, you get more hits than misses. And as far as if you get somebody who is a true fan making the movie for themselves versus them making it for every fan fanboy that's out there. Because unfortunately, we're so many. We have so many people to please. And we're going to tell you what we want. But we, you know, sometimes we don't know. We just we know what we want to tell you what we want. But when we watch something <clears throat> that was made by somebody who knew what they liked and did for did it for what they want, what they thought, what they were looking for. We enjoy it. We love it. It might not be what we expected. It might not be even something we would have ever get or we, we would ever put it, in paper. Yeah. But guess what? We loved it. And that's what this movie was. Yeah. Because I would have never gone off script. I never got off story. But you know something? I'm happy that I didn't make the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> now we got this fucking movie. Exactly. And we go to the ratings. Go for it. That's easy for me. I don't know about you. I'm going to go into four and a half. I'm going to go into five. five. I knew you were going to go to five. You knew I was going to go five. I know you are going to go five. You knew I was going to go five mm-hmm. since I told you I watched the movie. Because I think every every time you mention that, I'm like, we're not going to re- talk about it until we record. But I fucking love the movie. So basically, every time you stay quiet is when you want You can't wait to talk about the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, so, even if the movie's shitty, I, I can't wait to talk about the movie when we record it. Because I, I want your honest... Uh, not your honest I guess you. No, I know. We don't your, wanna... fir- your, ver- your first reaction. Yeah. And your first... Yeah, first Actually, thoughts. no. I want to change my rating. It's going to be 4.75. Oh Jesus! What the fuck? Yeah, right, it's, right there. it's right there. It's right there. It's like point no. eight. It's like oh, no. now it's gonna be four point eight five. If Michelangelo picked up the damn skateboard, five. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my only little. Should have picked up the skateboard. But so anyways. we're at four point eight eight. <laughs> Nikki's for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Mew and Mayhem. It's, yeah. Unlike that, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the latest episode from my mom's garage. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. TikTok, anywhere, other platforms. We're pretty much everywhere. And as always, you can find us or email us at gmail at fmmg dot. Wait, was it fmm pod? Wait, no, what is it? Fmm podcast at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> that was a mouthful. And go. like that, guys, tell a friend, send a friend, bring a friend. See you next week. Later. <laughs>